I want to make sure that today we kind of start off on the right thought in our mind because I believe that what God has laid on my heart to share with you is a very, very powerful message that we all need to hear. I've been in a series, uh, we've been in the series the last few weeks called The Power of Red. Uh, that's the title of the series that we're in. And I want to make sure that we don't hurry through this because when you look at the focal point of the title of the series, there's a word that, <clears throat> that I want to make sure that we just kind of pull out and we just kind of make sure that we don't rush past that, and that is the word power. So in your title of the series, underline that word power. Now, when we think about the power, we're talking about the dynamos of God, the, the omnipotence of who God is. That is, our God is an all-powerful God. He has unlimited power. How many of you believe that our God can do anything? Can I get an amen? He's all-powerful. He's mighty. He's supreme. He is the El Shaddai. He is the self-sufficient one. He is the, the almighty. For example, our God, and I know you know this, our God is omnipotent in creation. There was nothing made that was made without him. Uh, we know that our God created everything. Do y'all believe that? Say amen. He created the heavens and the earth, and he created everything therein. Uh, in other words, our God didn't need anybody to help him do that. He is sovereign. He's omnipotent. He is the God that has all power. And he's the God that shows his sovereign display of his power in creation. But not only does he show his sovereign omnipotence in creation, but he also does that in salvation. In other words, God chose the way to save us. God chose the way and provided the way for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son born of a, of a virgin. And we know that God is sovereign in salvation, but not only that, he's sovereign in resurrection. Who could raise the dead? Only God can do that. Amen. We know that. Because of that, we realize that our God is all-powerful. And, and because he is all-powerful, he chose a way for us to get right with him. And, and I want you to circle the next word, and that is red. The word red is a powerful word that we see. And Brother Randy, scoot that flag back because I want to look at you right there. It's good. Just kind of scoot it back that way. Amen. The power of red. <clears throat> and when we look at that power of red, we realize that red symbolizes the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, and I know you know this, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Thank God that there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. What blood? The blood of the Lamb. Thank God for that. How many of you are so thankful that Jesus shed his blood for y'all? Can we give him praise and Today. He is so good, and I thank you for that. <clears throat> and because of that, today we just want to kind of take our next step in the journey of the power of red today. And I want you to open your Bible to the book of Revelation chapter 1. The book of Revelation, John is on the Isle of Patmos. He's been exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And, and we realize that as he's on the Isle of Patmos, he is led of the Holy Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God begins to give John revelation. And the revelation that God gives him is a revelation about Jesus. And the Bible tells us that this revelation was given so that we can study and we can know about the things that are going to take place. 
The book of Revelation, when you begin in chapter 1 and go all the way through the end of the book, it's a sequential study that we begin to realize that God does a mighty work in us personally, and then he does a mighty work in us corporately as a church. And then all of a sudden we see God beginning to rapture the church and take the church off the off earth, and all of a sudden the wrath of God is released on this earth. And then all of a sudden we see that God brings judgment, and, and that judgment defines itself in the, the culmination of everything. In the climactic moment of the book of Revelation, we find that the kingdom of God is established and Jesus then is recognized as the king of kings and the lord of lords and is, he's, he's, he's dipped in the vesture of his blood and man is written on his vestures king of kings and lord of lords and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is lord to the glory of the father. Ladies and gentlemen we're not just talking about somebody we're talking about the king of kings and the lord of lords and there if you'll notice in John chapter 1 as, as John begins to write down the inspiration that the Spirit of God gives him, in chapter 1 and verse number 5, he, he projects a, pro, pro, a, a powerful proclamation. And he says, from Jesus Christ, who is the what? Say it together. Faithful witness. He's the first begotten of the dead. He is the prince of the kings of this earth in the next part of that verse. He is the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and what? Washed us from our sins in his own blood. Let's don't rush there. Go back there. And to him that what? Loved us and what? Washed us from our sins in his own blood. Then verse number six makes this powerful statement. And he's made us kings and priests unto God and the Father. To him, let's all read it together. To him be glory and dominion for a while, for a moment, for a month, for a week, just on Sunday. No, for him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And somebody ought to take advantage of saying amen. Boy, don't miss next Sunday, y'all, because we're going to dig into that. But today, I wanted to talk to you about a simple truth that I believe is a profound truth. And that is this, as you'll look at the title today, Jesus Christ loves us and washed us from our sins. Now, before we rush into 1 Peter, I want to hang out a minute at Revelation. Because if you'll notice there in Revelation in verse number 5, it's written as what's known as an arrow's tense, not a time of action, but rather a kind of action. And I don't want you to miss this because you've got to get this. If you'll notice in verse number 5 of Revelation chapter 1, it says, unto him that loved us. Now, make sure you understand this. That is written not as a past event but it is written as a present reality. Not that, oh, listen, Jesus one time loved me. No. He loved me, he is loving me, and he will always love me. He will never stop loving me. In other words, no matter where you go or what you do, this truth is established. Jesus Christ loves me. He loves me right now. It is always current. It's never Ancient. It's never something of the past. In other words, the, the action has happened to cause a present reality that's unchangeable. He loved me 
And because he loved me, he will never stop loving me. He's always going to love me. Because he loves me, he did something for me that I could not do for myself. He washed me from my sins in his blood. And 1 Peter tells us something about that. And I love what 1 Peter says in the next scripture. It says, For as much as you know then that you're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. You're not redeemed with things like that, not even from the conversations of your received by tradition and father. In other words, you're not redeemed because you go to church. You're not redeemed because you keep the Ten Commandments. You're not redeemed because you quit drinking. You're not redeemed because you quit sinning. You're not redeemed because you, you got better. You're not redeemed because, uh, you know, you turned over a new leaf. You're not redeemed because of all that stuff. You're not redeemed because of all the religious activities you do. But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. How awesome is that? You can't buy it. You can't bargain for it. You just redeemed that way. And I want you to notice this. It's not that you will be redeemed, but you have been redeemed. And because of that, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, when I think about that and I put my mind around that, I think, man... Uh, you know what, there was a time in my life when I didn't feel redeemed. There was a time in my life where I didn't even feel clean. And I, I, there's times in my life that I made bad choices and bad decisions. But it never changed the fact that God loved me. It never changed the fact that God has done something for me that I could not do for myself. For the Bible says that all of sinning comes short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We all are exiled and enemies from God, but we've been brought nigh unto, the blood, unto God by the blood of Jesus. And we realize that that is a profound reality for all of us. And if there's ever anything in the world that ought to excite us, it's this fact. God loves you and he Gave, forgave you of your sins. Now I want to get, get you going with five things today that I think is powerful. So let's think about it for a minute. Number one in the outline, Jesus Christ is the initiation of God's love toward us. Jesus Christ is the initiation of God's love toward us. In other words, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God sent his son into this world to initiate something in our life that we could not initiate ourselves. When you think about this for a moment and what a powerful thought it is that Jesus Christ initiated a touch from God to us that, that we were separated from God and we were without hope and we didn't have any opportunity to get better but God initiated something through his son Jesus and I want you to open your Bible to the book of 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 16 and I think that when we think about this that our minds would be able to appreciate the reality of this simple but but profound truth, and that is this. We have known and believed the love that God has to us. Now, are you listening? Read the next part with me. God is love. Say it together, everybody. God is love. One more time, everybody. God is love. And he, dwelleth, he that dwelleth in love dwells in God and God in him. Now, I want to make sure you understand this. When you look at that scripture, it says God is love. God, it doesn't say that God's a reflection of love. 
It doesn't say that God is a representation of God, of love. It doesn't say that God is a form of love. It does not say that God falls in love or that God will stop loving. God's love is not emotional. God's love is not sentimental. And God's love is not conditional. God is love. And if you miss out on God, you miss out on love. See, there's people that say, that say oh, I need love in my life. Boy, you know what? People everywhere are going to and fro, going, man, I gotta find some love. I gotta get me some love. And what happens is this write it down in your notes. Most people are looking for love in all the what? Wrong places. They're looking for love in all the wrong places. Somebody go, I gotta get me somebody to love me. I gotta get me a man to love me. I gotta get me a woman to love me. I gotta get some a friend that will love me. I gotta get a church that will love me. I gotta get this to love me. Can I tell you this, my friend? You will never find the love that you're searching for until your search lands directly on God. You see, you, see you, you can look for love in all the wrong places and still be unfulfilled. I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to over the course of being a pastor for 36 years and, and man, people will say, well, Brother Jackie, we want to get married. Why do you want to get married? Because we're so in love. And I'm sure they are. But after a while, <laughs> You know, you still got to pay the bills. You still got to do. You still got to live life. And I'm going to tell you, my friend. I think the trichotomy of who God is operative in our life. If we leave God out of our lives, we're never going to experience real love, because without God, you cannot love the way you should. In other words, when you leave God out of your life, your life becomes an emotion rather than a reality. And, and what happens when you leave God out of your life? Because if you listen to me, write this down. When I wrote it down, I thought, oh, my goodness, Brother Jack, is pro that's a profound statement. Watch this. The permanency of love is found in the residency of God. If you want permanent love, you gotta, you got to have your residency in God. You'll never find permanent love without God. For God is love. And because God is love, are you listening? God initiated that love to us. God initiated that love to us. We didn't deserve it. We, we shouldn't have got it. But how many of you are so thankful that in the fullness of time, God interrupted us? And, and because he interrupted us, he interrupted us with a profound thought. I love you. For God so loved the world. Now look at this now because in Romans chapter 5, I like this part. Underline these, this, what I'm about to tell you in your Bible. You will always thank me for this. Underline these two words, but God. But God. Say that with me. What? But God. You, you as a person, we got to realize that, that what Paul is saying to us is there was a time when God initiated something to us that he interrupted us that no matter what was going on in the world, no matter what was going on in politics, no matter what was going on in the world, no matter how, how hard it was or how good it was, there was a moment in, in our world where God said, wait a minute, everybody, but God, but God. And I want to tell you this. You may say, Brother Jackie, I'm having a hard time, but God. 
You may say, nobody loves me but God. Nobody cares about me but God. Nobody's concerned with me but God. Nobody cares about my, my situation in life. Oh, I'm telling you, but God. You may say, Brother Jackie, I'm walking through the toughest valley I've ever walked through but God. You may say, I'm having the hardest time that I've ever had in my life but God. You may say, you know what, I'm, I'm in the, the hardest storm I've ever been in. Come on, help me. But God. I'm struggling but God. I'm having a hard time, but God. Everybody else has walked out on me, but God. My husband quit on me, but God. My wife quit on me, but God. I'm telling you, my friend, there is a moment in all of our lives that everything else may turn upside down, but God. Can I give an amen? amen. But God. And I want to tell you this, my friend, that no matter how tough it is, don't you ever forget that in the tough times of your life, there is always a but God moment. And I believe that today, in the initiation of where you are, that no matter who you are, there is an initiation of God to you that says to you, while you're struggling, while you're battling, while you're suffering, while you're going through hard times, don't ever forget that God has initiated something towards you that nobody else could do. And that is the love of God. Amen. The love of God. So number one, Jesus Christ is the initiation of God's love toward us. Number two, Jesus Christ is the demonstration of God's love toward us. When I think about that, it's amazing to me that, that when you look at that particular type thing, that in the book of Romans, Paul chooses a word that is pretty profound to me. And, and if you'll notice in Romans, it says, But God commendeth his love toward us. Now circle the word commendeth. You know what it means? You know what that word means? It means he demonstrated. In other words, but God demonstrated his love toward us. And not only did Jesus is the initiation of that love, but he is the demonstration of that love. If, if I was going to show you something and I was going to demonstrate something for you, this is what would have to happen if I was going to do that. In other words, the demonstration of what I'm trying to communicate to you must always be put on display. In other words, if I'm going to demonstrate to you a product that I want you to know about or I want you to buy or I want you to purchase, I'm going to put it on display. And I'm going to tell you, my friend, God did that for you. And God did that for me. He didn't keep his love a secret. He displayed that love. Someone much smarter than I am made the statement. They said these words. I asked Jesus, how much do you love me? And he opened his arms that much, and died on the cross. Can I tell you this, my friend? That's a pretty good demonstration. That Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, would say to you, I love you this much. I love you this much. And when you think about the, 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 the incredible truth of that, why did he do that? Why did he open his arms? And why was he crucified that way? Watch this, it's powerful to me because it fits into our thought. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. I asked Jesus how much he loved me and he opened his arms and he said, I love you this much. 
without hitting anybody. Will you open your arms like that? Don't slap them. How much does Jesus love you, everybody? He loves you how much? This much. This much. I, I talked to my grandkids. I said, how much, you love Pop? Oh, I love you, Pop. I love you, Pop. How much you love Pop? To the moon and back like a million times. Woo. Hey, that's good. But Jesus, I love you this much. What does that mean? You remember, you remember this? Y'all probably, some of you may, this all may be new to you, but the Bible says he takes your sin and he casts it as far as the east is to the west. And when you look at the demographic of where the cross was, by the way, on the place where Abraham was going to offer his son Isaac on the cross, and Isaac asked, well, you know, where, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, you know what? God will supply. And there was a ram caught in the, in the bushes. And I'm so thankful that when you study your Bible, he doesn't say there was a lamb caught, but there was a ram caught. You know why? Because the lamb had not showed up yet. The lamb was only Jesus Christ. So there had to be a sacrifice, but not a so sufficient one when Abraham was going to offer his son Isaac on the, on the, on the, on the, to sacrifice him there on, on that particular place that later on Jesus was going to come and they were going to crucify him right there not as a ram but as a lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world and when you notice that you'll notice that when Jesus was crucified he was positioned that when they nailed him to the cross that one arm was stretched to the east and one arm was stretched to the west. And remember, the Bible says that he will take your sins and cast as far as the what? East is to the west. Why did he say that? Because you, there is a north pole and there is a south pole. You can measure the distance between the north pole and the south pole. But how many of you recognize there is no pole that distinguishes the link between the east and the west? It goes forever. Why did God say that? Because he wanted you to know that there was no way ever that he could bring your sins back against you once Jesus died on that cross for you and he sent his son Jesus to demonstrate the profound reality of the prophetic utterance that I'm going to love you so much, I'm going to open my arms and cast your sins as far as the east and the west, and I will not remember them no more. Amen. How awesome is that? The demonstration of Christ's love. But not only the demonstration of his love, but there is another thought that is profound to me, and that is this, the directional expression of God's love toward us. Wherever that screen went, I don't know, write it down. The directional expression of God's love toward us. And I want you to notice in the directional expression, do y'all have that? Because I know y'all thinking, oh my gosh, I'm gonna go out of here without a blank filled out and I'll be freaked out forever in heaven. No, just write it down, the directional expression of God's love toward us. So we got the initiation, we got the demonstration, and now we got the directional expression of God's love to us. And the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, uh, Romans, for God commended his love toward us. Toward us. That is the direction of God's love. God's love is a directional love that goes directly to, you know what that means? That no matter where you go in life, he's always going to be pursuing you. In other words, you cannot run from his love. The Bible tells us that God commended his love toward us. Toward us. Now we're there. God commended his love toward us 
in that why we were yet sinners Christ died for. You know what? If I could, I would do this. I would just kind of say this to you, that all of you that are here, this is, I wish I could come down, but I can't because we got another campus and they're watching me, but I wish I could come down there and hang out with y'all, y'all, because this is what that means. God is always pursuing you. He's always coming after you. He's always distributing his love towards you. You say, Brother Jackie, I'm not real lovable. It doesn't matter. God's still going to try to love you. God's always going to love you. He's always going to come after you with that love. There is nothing in this world. You may try to hide in a church. You may try to duck down and go, man, I'm just going to sneak in so nobody will know I'm there. I don't want Brother Jackie to see me because he may, he may call me out or if he sees me in Walmart, he'll hem me up and all that stuff. And, and I'm just going to kind of hang out here and my wife may come or my husband may come or man, our friends hounded me to death and I'm just going to kind of grow in and sneak out. No, you can't. You can not do that. You know why? Because God knows where you're sitting. God knows exactly where you are. You know what he'll do? He'll pick you out of a crowd of hundreds of people to snuggle up beside you and say this to you. You thought you could run, didn't you? You can run, but you can't hide. And he'll kind of snuggle up to you and he'll say, you see that bald-headed guy on that stage? Yeah. Well, I want you to listen to this. While he's preaching, I'm going to hound you. Watch this. It's crazy good. While he's preaching, God will sit beside you and say this to you. I love you. I love you so much, it's crazy. And you'll be going, please leave me alone. No, I'm not. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to love you. But God, you don't know what I did last night. Yes, I do. I know exactly what you did last night. I know what you did last week. I've been knowing what you've been doing since you've been born. But guess what? I love you anyway. And that's the God that we serve. And he knows how to demonstrate that love directionally, watch this, right toward you. He finds you, doesn't he? All right, now the fourth thing quickly. All right, let's, let's look at John 3, 16 because all of y'all know that scripture. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many of y'all believe that? Can I get an amen? That God interrupted our life by sending Jesus to this earth amen. to die on the cross for us. God, I like the... The emphasis of the, of the scripture, it says, for God so loved us. And the emphasis is on the so that never stops. As a matter of fact, it just keeps on going. God so, 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 so loves you. So much that he sent Jesus to directionally invade your life. You can't change it. You can't change it. And then fourthly, write this down. Jesus Christ is the determination of God's love toward us. The determination of God's love toward us. In other words, Jesus is the determination toward us so much so that the crown of creation and the failure of humanity, God's love is zeroed in on each one of us. It's profound to me that in that determination, 
Romans 5, 8 says these words. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Who wants to love somebody like us? Who wants to hang out with people like us? I'm going to tell you who does. Jesus does. He was so determined that he would love you that he crossed heaven itself to break into your world. He was so determined that he would love you and he would show that love. He was so determined that you deserve to die on the cross and he said, no, listen, let me take your place. He was determined to love you. And I'm going to tell you, friend, you can't change it. You can't change it. The determination of God to invade your life to say to you, I love you. You know, it's kind of like this. Anybody in here ever done anything wrong? Anybody? Anybody in here, the rest of y'all didn't raise your hand. You're lying and you will not go to heaven and that's why we do church. Anybody in here ever done anything you're ashamed of? Let me see your hand. Wait real high. Any of y'all done real bad things you're ashamed of? Both hands, amen. Anybody in here done anything that you wish, that you hope nobody ever finds out about you? Come on now. Okay, we're going to have a testimonial confession time at this point. The fact of the matter is, watch this. We all have done that. We've all done things that we go, oh my gosh, I hope nobody finds out about that. Well, you know what? Watch this. I hate to bust your bubble. Somebody already knows. Somebody already knows. You can't hide it. He already knows. And watch this. He knows that. And he's determined to love you anyway. I've said this a million times. What if we could just pull the screen up and go, this is your life. And I were to just pick on one of y'all or two of y'all or five of y'all and say, okay, we're going to just project your life on the screen. Some of y'all be going, uh-oh, I got to go. I got to go to the bathroom. I got to get out of here really quick. And all of a sudden, the drum roll, and I'd say, okay, here it goes, man. Adam's life on the screen, man. This cat, he plays the keyboard, acts like he's all spiritual. <laughs> but we're going to project him on the screen and all the, all the junk. He's going, no, Brother Jackie, don't do that. And I go, yeah, we're going to do that, Adam. We're going to do that. We are absolutely going to do that today. I mean, his heart would start beating. He'd get nervous and going, oh, my gosh, they're going to vote me out of the church. I'll never be able to go back. i got to move out of Pell City because everybody's going to know about me. And all of a sudden, we're rolling that. And then that next point is so profound. Jesus Christ is the finalization of God's love towards you. The finalization of God's love towards you, Jesus finalized it all. So you remember, we got Adam's life on the screen, and uh, man, we're about to roll it, and now Adam's about to leave, and uh, <laughs> he's out the door, and we're about to roll the, 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 the Adam's life, and Santana's going, oh my goodness, I should have known better than marry him. And then Romans 5, 8 becomes a reality for Adam, but God commended his love toward us. And then while we were yet sinners, say it for me. And all of a sudden we're about to roll the screen and Adam's all freaked out. 
And I say, let them rip, guys. Roll Adam's life. Adam can't hardly swallow because he knows he got junk. And about the time that he's going to roll the screen, it just turns red. Just red. And that red just runs down that screen like blood. Just covers that screen. And nothing that Adam has ever done could be seen because Jesus shed his blood to cover his mess. You know what? That's what he's done for all of us. He has shed his blood to cover our sins. We got an old boy here. His name is Dewey Webb. Anybody right here know Dewey Webb? Now, Dewey's suffering for Jesus in the mountains today. He's on vacation. But Dewey, Dewey is always here at the church. Man, he's changing light bulbs. He's sweeping the floor. He's changing air conditioning filters. He's cutting grass. He's weed eating. He's pulling weeds. He's always here. I mean, he's here all the time. He's here more than I am. You know, he's always working around here. Now, he's not on staff of the church. He just comes and volunteers. Hint, hint. <clears throat> he just comes around, does things for God, and he'll see me. He'll see me, and he'll say, Hey, hey, Brother Jackie, I got something I got to tell you. And I'm thinking, man, this must be serious. I mean, he's, he's wanting to heal me up. Brother Jackie, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. And I go, What's up, Dewey? This is what Dewey say. He says to me, I love you. Watch this. And there ain't a thing you can do about it. Dewey, I'm busy. I got to go. Yeah, but I got to tell you something, Bro Jack. I got to tell you something. I love you. I love you. And there ain't a thing you can do about it, Brother Jack. You can't, you can't do a thing. You can't change it. There ain't a thing you can do about it. Brother Jack, I love you, and there ain't a thing, there ain't a thing you can do about it. Brother Jack, I love you, and y'all supposed to say that. There ain't a thing you can do about it. I'm thinking, well, okay. You love me, and he said, man, ain't a thing you can do about that. You couldn't stop me if you wanted to. I love you. It ain't a thing you can do about it. I'm going to tell you something. That's the way God is to you. He loves you, and there ain't a thing you can do about it. You, can't, you couldn't change it if you wanted to. So Jesus Christ would stop you along the journey of life and he'd say, hey, 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 boy, I got to tell you something. I love you. There ain't a thing you can do about it. See, that's who God is. He's going to love you. Somebody better tell me. There ain't a thing you can do about it. Now let me tell you something. The bottom line is powerful. When God gave his son Jesus to die on the cross. When God gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, he was saying, I love you just the way you are. 
just the way you are, I love you. And because I love you just the way you are, say the last part with me. You are good enough to belong to me. Think about that for a minute. You're good enough to belong to God. Why? Because he loves you and anything you can do about it. Now, I want you to listen to me a minute. Why do people go to hell? Why do people live their whole life and end up separated from God forever if indeed the Bible says that God loves you and he has washed you from your sins in his son's own blood. So if that's true, then obviously God absolutely loves you and he has washed away your sins. So if that's true, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for all of our sins. So our sins have been paid for. Jesus did that at the cross. So listen to me. You don't die and go to hell because God doesn't love you. And you don't even die and go to hell because your sins are not forgiven. Because they are. You know why you die and go to hell? Because you reject the one who did it. You say no to Jesus. Think about this. You live your whole life, you die without Christ, you go into eternity. God the Father says to you, why did you, why did you choose to reject my son? Well, I didn't think I was good enough. Oh yeah, you was good enough. Well, I just didn't think that my sins were forgiven. Oh yes, they were. My son done that for you on the cross. Well, I just didn't feel like I was loved. Oh, yes, you were told you were. You know you were loved. The only reason that you have to depart from me is not because I don't love you. It's not because your sins are not forgiven. You just wouldn't open your heart and let my son come into your heart and your life. You wouldn't accept the one that did that for you. What a tragic end. You know what? There are people all over the world that's trying to find purpose and meaning of life. And the purpose and meaning for life is right in front of them. Remember the first two things I asked you to write down? What were they? God loves me and my sins have been forgiven. All you have to do is accept that. Today, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder... If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, now again, there's a lot of people in churches today has got a good dose of religion, but they don't have a relationship. I'm not talking about where did you go to church, where were you born in church, what church you attend. I'm not talking about all that. I'm talking about do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Our ministers could come on and stand up front. As they come today, I want you to know that they're here to help you in that relationship. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, today is your day. He's done everything necessary for you to have a relationship with God. 
All you have to do is open your heart and invite Christ in. Today, you may be here and you want to join the church. I don't know why you wouldn't. If you don't know, if you're not a member here, we'd love to have you. We'd love you to come down and take the hand of one of these ministers and say to them, I'd like to be a part of this church. So today, as we all stand together, we invite you to come. Let's do that together. You come now. Maybe you've got a friend you ought to pray for or somebody that you love that you need to lift up to the Lord. You come to this altar today and give your heart to Jesus. Let's do that.